This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Words like brand and culture may seem like corporate words that are not relevant to the nonprofit sector. But would you be surprised that your nonprofit already has a brand and already has a culture? The question just is, what kind of brand and what kind of culture do you have? And not only that, but a key question we all need to ask ourselves as nonprofit leaders is this. Is there a gap between how you see your brand and how the community sees and experiences your brand? Well, these and other critical questions will be answered by my guest today, Ted Vaughn. Ted leads Historic Agency, which is a brand strategy shop. And he's also the co-author of a book called Culture Built My Brand. I'm telling you, this is one of the best interviews I've had in a long time about this issue of culture and brand. It's really going to be helpful. I really encourage you to tune in and take some notes. Thanks for listening. Well, Ted, thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, We're going to talk all about brand and culture, two critical topics in my mind that have a lot more overlap than one may initially think. In fact, you've stated that the best brands align from the inside out. In other words, uh, as I understand it, an organization's brand really emerges from its culture. Um, And is that a correct way to think about it, first of all? And then, so talk about that connection between a nonprofit's culture and a nonprofit's brand. We uh, regularly work with nonprofits that have spent tens of thousands of dollars uh, chasing cool, chasing donors, chasing marketing strategies, repositioning their brand, doing all sorts of important and amazing work, but doing it um, untethered or unintegrated, disintegrated, if you will, from who they are as a founder, who they are as a core mission, who they are as people, who their people are. Now, what ends up happening, right, is they look fantastic. They have an incredible identity and an incredible brand promises out there. But then when you engage and you encounter their service or product or you encounter their uh, leadership or you meet their people or you go to a donor event, you begin to realize there's a real disconnect between the promise or between the brand identity or between what's being said out there and who our people actually are, how they operate, how they perform. At minimum, we fail to integrate our brand strategy into our culture or our culture into our brand strategy. And we end up having people who are the front lines of our of our brands not know what it means to lead, behave, decision, make, or operate in a way that's on brand. And if you look at companies who get that right, unfortunately, most of them are outside the nonprofit space. But they find incredible breakthrough because their people their most precious resource are brand advocates, brand champions. They know how to behave. They know how to operate. That brand promise and that brand value and that value proposition goes right back to them and how they behave and, and frankly, why they're even a part of the brand, which gets into employee branding, which is a whole other topic. Now, well said. And I completely agree. And I've had people on the show before talk about that, that 
you know, you're right. Sometimes for-profit companies just get this more easily for whatever reason. And we're going to get a little bit more into that. Why, for whatever reason, in the nonprofit sector, sometimes it's almost either not wanted to be talked about or doesn't seem genuine enough. It seems too corporate. And they're all about being genuine with their nonprofit. Um, So we'll get into that. Now, how does a leader discover what their culture is with their team? This maybe sound really easy at the first level, but I'm like, you know, I've had lots of conversations and sometimes I've found anyway, and I'm curious what you think, Ted, it's maybe a little more difficult than initially most leaders think to really discover what their culture is. So what would you recommend a leader who's listening? How do they discover what their culture is? You know, a lot of times culture is this really mysterious broad term that often uh, evades people. And what ends up happening is, is we all talk about culture and there's a lot of rhetoric, but we fail to know what to actually do about it. That's why we wrote our book. It was really to demystify company culture, organizational culture, and provide handles so that you have simple, practical ways to build it, to be intentional about it, to understand it. Depending on the, the life cycle of an organization, right? You know, organizations, brands, nonprofits go through, go through a journey as they mature. And, you know, typically if you're a, if you're a starting nonprofit, you have a, a single driver who is the owner and keeper of that culture, right? That Steve Jobs-esque personality who is setting the culture, setting the tone, whether they know it or not, whether they're intentional or not, they're driving it. And it's a young organization. There aren't a lot of people. The, the challenge most of the nonprofits we work with have as they mature, as they layer up with people, as they grow more complex, they begin to lose their culture unintentionally because they were never intentional about scaling culture because culture was a happy accident. It wasn't something they took intentionally. So I think to your question, how do you understand, discern, articulate culture? I think step number one is going to the roots of the organization. What is the ultimate purpose? What is the driver? What is the mission? What is the thing that started us, right? I mean, that that has to be there and be clearly articulated. And, and what we often find is in the nonprofit space, you've got assumptions around purpose, around mission, around cause that haven't been successfully articulated, that haven't been successfully integrated or repeated. And those things become assumed. And then that leads to all sorts of mission drift within the organization, which now begins to create cultural baggage, sideways energy, because Within one nonprofit, you may very well have 10 different competing agendas for primacy, right? Our primary purpose is, is it, you know, to give one example of an organization I love called Surfrider, is our primary goal protecting the deep blue? Is it access to the coast? Is it fighting? I mean, there's any number of different missions, right? So Surfrider is a great example of a nonprofit that had to go through a very robust focusing process because within Surfrider were multiple cultures and multiple agendas. But I think ultimately culture starts with getting at purpose and at heart. Then it begins by assessing two things. Do our leaders have clarity around the cores, around the essentials, and are they healthy? Often we find, again, in the nonprofit space, very great examples of this, really healthy organizations, which means there's trust, goodwill, they love coming to work, there's a real sense of like camaraderie or being seen, known, but they're not very clear about who they are, what they're doing, why they exist, what the goal is, what do we measure, right? In the nonprofit space, metrics can be really challenging. Other organizations I've worked with, unbelievable clarity, 
dashboards, metrics, laser focused on what's important. But nobody really trusts that if they came to work and had cancer, anybody would care, right? Sometimes the joke in the uh, organi- in these organizations is, well, you're just a plane right away from losing your job because the last guy that got hired, you know, was sitting next to the CEO and before the plane landed, they were hired. So I think there's often a real competing, you know, the best organizational cultures live in this intersection of really robust clarity, but also a real great sense of trust and goodwill. And depending on the nonprofit, you may err on one side of that continuum or the other. What you really want to do is fight for balance because when you have clarity, your purpose is reinforced, your metrics are clear. And when you have health, you have an environment that's compelling because frankly, in the nonprofit space, most of the time we can't compete on salary. So we need to have something we're competing on when, if it's not dollars. And that's usually where you have a sense of, and, and the irony is most of the nonprofits I work for can be masters at manipulation because the mission is so compelling. They'll have people who bleed and they'll just take advantage of that bleeding without even realizing they're doing it until what, of course, happens is burnout. Yeah, right. So you're saying and then a couple of things there I thought was really interesting. Number one, a lot of organizations, nonprofits, they have a culture, but it's probably undefined. And as they begin to grow and scale, they don't actually scale their culture along the way. They just grow and fill spots and, and expand yeah, their programs and services, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the classic statement. We're so busy doing the work of the business. We're not good at working on the business. We're so busy doing the work of the mission. We don't work on the mission. And then, of course, what happens is mission drift, right? I mean, it's, and, and mission drift can be fixed, but oftentimes it requires a pretty robust strategic vision process, not just strategic planning, strategic vision. And this is, I think, a key idea for a lot of nonprofits. We're really good at assuming mission and then just planning year to year to year to year. What we need to do is is reinforce a 24 to 36 month picture of success. Mm, Anything beyond 36 months to me is a pipe dream. The world moves too fast. Things are too crazy. So don't give me your 10 year BHAG. Give me your 36-month vision of success that's measurable, some degree of, of quantifiable. Then we can back into planning. And that's often where you begin to see those conversations can reveal disconnects in culture, reveal disconnects in trajectory. Now, it's fascinating. And um, that really like you saying that about th- three years, basically, you, do, you get beyond that and, and like say the world changes too much. But I like what you were saying that there's the balance of healthy and robust clarity. You feel like that combination is the secret sauce, so to speak, of really effective nonprofits. Is that how you would say that? Yeah. I mean, I would say the two drivers to a healthy culture in a sustainable way are both clarity and health. What we found is nonprofits that have a lot of false harmony or false health, I call it false because they have people who love one another, who show up, who kind of enjoy their work, who, who do decent work, but they're not driven by any clear sense of performance metrics. They don't know their job description. They don't really know what the win is. We're not really measuring anything, but man. You love it. You know, frankly, <laughs> you see this in the faith-based space, right? If there's any faith-based nonprofits listening, no offense, guys, but you can be the worst at this, right? We just all <laughs> love one another. We're like shoulder to shoulder. It's all about like God or spirituality or Jesus. Right. <laughs> but we really don't know what success looks like or why we're doing this thing, right? We just kind of show up and go to Starbucks and talk and like... <laughs> So there's a lot of health, but like there's not a lot of efficiency or performance or so I would argue at, at some point, a lack of clarity will ultimately erode health because at some point somebody will ask the question, wait, 
how come I didn't get a raise? I think I should get a raise. How come I'm working harder than they are? How come they're not performing? You know, the, the, the lack of clarity ultimately er- erodes health. And I would argue in today's fast-moving post-COVID race to innovate, a lack of health erodes clarity. Because your mission, your strategies, your products, your solutions, your donor engagement, all those things change too fast. And if we don't have healthy people on the front lines giving us new ideas, speaking truth into our leadership, we're not going to innovate fast enough. Right. Oh, well said. I think you're absolutely right. Now, you also talk a lot about creating a strategic roadmap that connects your brand narrative uh, with your week-to-week operational reality, which in turn will then provide clarity, speaking of clarity, and accountability for decision-making. So how does a leader create a strategic roadmap? What are the first steps of that? Well, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but we, we take brand strategy and use it as that type of framework for strategic roadmap. And you can also use brand strategy as a, a fantastic assessment. Our philosophy of brand is that you've got five pillars that are holding your brand. Pillar number one, culture, who you are, what we've already been talking about, right? The the ethos of your leadership, how your people behave, how they show up. Pillar number two, your products and services, what you actually do to make the world better. Number three, your story, what you say, that narrative that shapes culture and and compels donors to give. Number four, your experience, how you feel, digital, physical touch points. And number five, your identity, how you look, that visual promise, that identity in social media, logo, web, all that stuff. Those five things become powerful ways to assess the quality of our vehicle, of our brand, right? A brand really is a vehicle. It's a, it's a thing that takes you towards a vision. And that vehicle can have a flat tire. It can be running with a broken engine. It can have all sorts of, of problems. So we're big fans of saying, if you're going to build a strategic roadmap, start by getting really honest clarity on how your brand is doing because there might be a flat tire that you need to fix. But sometimes in these strategic planning processes, we get so focused on what's next and where we're going on the opportunity that we actually fail to address the things that are causing us to walk with a limp. Oh, and that's well said. I like the five aspects of that. Let's talk about story real quick. Talk more about that. You mentioned what story is. Why is it so important and why is that a separate aspect of the branding of an overall organization? Yeah, the, the um, the reason we separated it, it's funny you say that because we used to not separate it. In the very early days, we had four, four pillars, right? Okay. <laughs> and, and story story was kind of baked into identity. And the idea was it's that kind of visual promise. It's the words and the identity and the colors and the things. And what we realized, right, is, is you know, of course, you know, you should have probably should have known this earlier being brand guys. But <laughs> what we realized was a story is such a, the words that create worlds, to quote Abraham Heschel, are the single most important uh, promise that you make. Language, words, the visual picture, not only to those external, to donors, to new customers, to those that you're, you're caring for or serving, but, but also to your internal culture. Uh, and, and that, I think the primary reason we separated story out into its own pillar is because so many clients in the nonprofit space, especially, were confusing mission with marketing. Mm, oh, that's good. Okay. So they would want this pith, like, you know, I remember one client still makes me laugh to this day. (laughs) I think they spent $20,000 in about three months to come up with the vision. And and what was the vision? The vision was pervasive hope. Okay. Right. 
what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, the, the, like the problem is, right? You spent all right. You spent all this money to come up with a two-word bumper sticker that still needs about eighty-five other words to explain. <laughs> right. Totally. So why not have written a statement of vision? Or better yet, we're big fans of one statement. How about one statement that has a little bit of vision, a little bit of mission, but at the end of the day, it provides that true north. It gives you clarity. You can measure it. It kind of sets the trajectory for your organization. Too many nonprofits have a vision. They've got a mission. They've got every department has a purpose statement. And then every one of their people have a purpose statement. And then they've got core values, but then they've got company values. It, it just becomes, it becomes too much, right? It becomes white noise. So, uh, so we believe story is so critical that you need to have compelling language to shape culture. That's mission. You need to have compelling language to engage your audience. That's marketing. Now, as much alignment as possible is helpful. What you don't want to do is have marketing language that feels completely foreign to your internal culture. So I think it's awesome when there's overlap between those two. But they're two different sets of, of language. Your mission does not necessarily need to match word for word your marketing. We'll be right back. Well, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you will find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, including some from other countries, all trying to make their world better. When you go to our website, you can also subscribe to my monthly leadership update in order to get more content, ask me questions, and join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Just look for the subscribe button, which is on the top right-hand side. It's a real easy process. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. You also recommend organizations to build a cohesive brand system. Now, this, as I understand, refers to having an internal organizational alignment with your product and or service and a solid end user experience. Could you talk more about that? What is a cohesive brand system and how does it best apply to nonprofits? It really goes back to the earlier five pillars of brand that we were talking about when you were re referencing the strategic roadmap. If you ever do brand strategy work with us, we talk about brand alignment. Brand strategy really for us is brand alignment because what we find is oftentimes brand strategy will focus on two or three pillars, dial those in, have amazing content strategy, amazing social, amazing this, amazing that. And they end up making promises through their work with one agency that their service or product or culture don't deliver on. So then they'll do culture work and they'll do product work and, they'll, and they do all this work independently of one another. And, and it might be amazing work, but it ends up creating a disintegrated lack of alignment brand. And while it might be fantastic, it doesn't align. And at some point, those gaps, those lack, the lack of alignment is what betrays trust, is what creates a, a sense of um, distrust or lack of loyalty or lack of engagement. We see it with donor strategy all the time. We tell stories and use language to compel donors, but then when they actually show up to an event or they go on a trip or they experience the it's a complete disconnect. In fact, the leadership might not even know about the story that marketing told. So there's an inability. So then donors begin to trust whether or not, right? So I think it's like, we talk a lot about brand first donor experiences, brand first donor engagement. That entire aspect of brand and donor strategy become really, really, really critical aspects of brand alignment. So 
when we say a system of brand, it's those five brand pillars working cohesively, making and delivering on the same brand promise, whether it's somebody working in the uh, front office or it's your social media posts on Instagram. No. Okay. Very helpful. And along the way, you've talked about brand gap. You work with a lot of organizations that discover a brand gap as you help them out um, and you're trying to improve their culture and their brand. Tell us more what you've found with brand gaps. How do nonprofits fix their brand gap? You know, the, the biggest challenge I find in the nonprofit space is uh, slowing down to assess brand and see what gaps we have. Um, I think that often... It's a hard process, right? Well, and here's one of the culprits, right? I, I can stay at a Hilton hotel for one night and I'll be given three opportunities. I'll be hounded at least three times to give customer feedback, to give do a survey, to, to tell Hilton how that one night was at whatever their property was, right? I could be a significant contributor or donor or engagement partner with a nonprofit for three years and never be given one opportunity to give meaningful feedback. That's true. You are right. That's very true. I think, I think too often we in the nonprofit space assume alignment, investment, partnership because of the mission. And we end up operating self-deluded and blind to what our donors, our people actually think because we don't ask, we assume. Or we ask, but then we fail to reflect back what we heard and that betrays trust, right? We're just not very good at asking, right? Consumer research is a science and they have it dialed in because they've been doing it for so long. I think, I think getting input, getting data, asking questions, learning about our don- what, what does our donor base actually think of us? What is the experience of our brand out there? Why should people give to us instead of 25 other brands that hit their inbox this month because of end of year giving, right? So I, I think, frankly, um, it starts with assessment. How do we know how we're doing? This is a critical role in culture. If you have an organization that has more than 10 people, you have to ask the question, are those 10 people able to give honest feedback or are they operating scared or in a posture that would suggest I really can't tell the truth because either it will wound the senior leader or they'll wound me, right? Either, you know, it's either fight or flight. You know, often I find in the nonprofit space, this problem of critical feedback, which leads to delusion, which leads to a lack of just effective brands. The we think everybody's shoulder to shoulder. We're in the mission together. We, we care deeply. We're of, of course, we're telling one another what we think. Of course, even though I'm the CEO, people know that I care and I'm with them. And I'm just one of the, I'm just one of the team, right? Even though I'm the CEO, people don't look at me as anything. So we fail to understand the true dynamics of power and authority, which really do exist. Power and authority are things, even in the nonprofit space, even in the mission-driven space. So we often end up, I, I believe, failing to address power, which leads people to not know if it's ever safe to give true feedback, especially when it's critical. And then we end up, honestly, some of the nonprofit leaders I work with at the executive level are some of the most self-deluded leaders I know because they just never hear critical feedback. They don't have the systems for it. So I think fixing brand, brand alignment begins and ends, frankly, with assessment processes, tools, feedback, an ability and a culture that is able to hear critical truth and receive it and then act on it. Well, it's fascinating. You're essentially saying that creating a culture where feedback is not only offered, but it's encouraged. In fact, it's critical to the mission of that organization. That really creates 
the healthy kind of culture we've been talking about that then leads to the success of a good nonprofit organization. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And nobody listening will disagree with that. Everybody knows feedback's important. Everybody likes to think that they're not yes men or yes women right, that they exactly, want. Sure. Right? Like nobody's going to hear that statement or idea and go, no, I disagree. The, the, the problem, what I would challenge those listening to do is ask the question, when's the last time I got honest, candid feedback? When's the last time I built a bridge over my power and authority to truly invite people to give me critical, honest feedback? When's the last time we polled or asked or surveyed our donor base to get any sense of data from them? Now, maybe some of the people listening are going, oh, we do that regularly. That's awesome. I'm willing to bet 75% of the nonprofits that are a part of your larger listening world struggle to actually hear accurate feedback because donors and coworkers know how important this thing is you do. They know how much you care. They know that you're working and doing a job as CEO or leader or executive VP of this nonprofit for way less than you can make in the for-profit world. So the last thing they want to do is say that you suck at one part of your job or that this aspect of your job is is not not going well, right? So I think as much as we all agree feedback's important in the nonprofit space, we're uniquely bad at actually getting it. And I think it creates brand gaps and problems that we suffer for when the world changes faster and faster and faster. When it's about arbitrage of attention, we end up suffering because people just don't know how to give us the focus. Don't They, they lose their desire. They're no longer compelled, you know, so... Now, we talked about a little bit before we started the show, there is still, I think, in the nonprofit sector, a bit of this sense that this conversation we're having about branding, about culture, you know, this is something that nonprofits really shouldn't have to worry about. You said it earlier, kind of, we're all here for the right reasons. We're here because we love or are passionate about an issue, hunger, about education, about the environment or whatever. And so we don't really need, you know, this whole thing about branding. We just are here for the right reasons. So when you bump into that with folks, and maybe some people are listening and, and wondering why, Rob, are you dedicating a podcast episode to branding? How do you overcome this resistance or how do you answer and respond to say, this is why branding and creating this culture is so important? You know, I think it's often helpful to, to change language. Again, sometimes people in the nonprofit space hear brand and instantly go corporate or think consumer marketplace, or they hear culture and they instantly think, HR, organizational culture, people who are just doing a job for a paycheck. You know, I'll start by saying this. Organizational culture, company culture, is the soil in which everything you do is planted. Your people, the decisions they make, the dollars they spend, the way they show up, that, uh, that is all planted in organizational culture. So you're, the soil's ability to nourish those people, nourish the decisions they make, help them flourish and thrive in their job is critical. You can't avoid that. So, so that, is, that is organizational culture. And that's probably an easy one for people to wrap their head around and go, right, replace brand with vehicle. Mm-hmm. How's the quality of our vehicle, right? We all, you know, if, if company culture or the people in the vehicle driving it, how's the quality of our vehicle, right? How's the quality of our story, our identity, our experience, our, our service, how are those doing? What we will often find as an agency that works specifically in strategy and innovation and culture is a lot of people call us looking for miracle grow solutions for donor engagement or yeah. miracle grow solutions for marketing <laughs> or I can you know, see whatever. That. Right. 
Or miracle grow. I say miracle grow to mean what is the fastest, easiest, cheapest way that we can fix our identity, fix our whatever. And, you know, there are agencies who will absolutely engage that question and try and help you find that miracle grow. The problem is that when you look at it from a brand standpoint, you're probably creating a brand, or I should say, you're probably creating a lack of alignment within your brand because you're chasing cool or chasing a solution in one aspect of your brand that is now going to pull you out of alignment or make a promise that is rad and interesting, but maybe not true or consistent with other aspects of your brand. Mm, Okay. So, you know, we often will say in the, in the marketplace world, great marketing helps out of alignment brands fail faster. When you pour thousands of dollars into marketing to market something that ultimately doesn't work or that people will ultimately find to be uh, not true or you're, you're actually furthering or fueling distrust, you're fueling things that ultimately hurt you in the long run. So in, in my opinion, long before nonprofits should spend thousands of dollars chasing end of year giving strategies or marketing strategies, or they should really assess their brand and have a brand strategy, and then surgically focus on those other areas. Um, Because we see it time and time and time again, people chase solutions. They they get one area of their brand dialed in, but the rest of it lags behind, and it ultimately creates bigger problems. Yeah, well said. And as listeners here on the show are, are listening to you, and they're saying, yes, you know, I need to do that. I probably need to do that. What would you say, as we're going to close uh, out this episode, what's the most important next step that my listeners should do amidst all the things you're recommending, um, particularly if it's kind of a new thing for them to assess their brand or get more feedback? What is the most important next step, in your opinion, and what's your recommendation? I think the, the, the most important next step is to bring key people that you trust around you and begin to have, and depending on where you are in the organization, if you're listening to this and you feel like you're somebody who has no authority and no power, I would say learn how to ask really good questions that point to broader things. Take some of the nuggets from this conversation around brand alignment, around what a brand is, around company culture, around trust, around leadership, and, and use those to ask really probing, deep questions that demonstrate your love and passion for the mission, but that try and lead up through asking questions that perhaps your leadership have never considered before. If you're somebody with authority and with power, and you're listening to this, and you haven't done anything like this regularly, bring around you people that you trust, leaders, I would say as many as you feel comfortable surrounding yourself with. Because in the nonprofit space, it's really helped you shape culture faster by bringing more people into the conversation. But that that obviously has to be done appropriately based on the size of your organization and the layers and the, you know, but bring as many people around you as possible that you trust and facilitate a two to three hour workshop where you walk through the five pillars of brand. And you say to those people, hey, I want to have an honest conversation about how we're doing. If you put on the, the donor hat or you put on the hat of the customer or whatever it is on a scale of one to five, and then you walk through the, those pillars. I think one to five is a more helpful assessment tool. One to 10 can get kind of wonky. It's like, is it a seven or a six? <laughs> yeah, right, no. exactly. 
Good one point. to five becomes mm-hmm. a little easier, right? Yep. So on a scale of one to five, let's just start with our identity. How's our visual identity? And you can say our logo or this or that. Just And then you can even Rochambeau it. I've done it with rooms of like 30 people and everybody just puts up a hand. And sometimes you see one, sometimes you see five, and then it leads to conversation, right? Really powerful way to just build culture, get input, but begin to assess how people, how do you think people see us? And then do the same thing for our experience, digital and physical. You could separate them if you have then do it for your story. You can separate those mission marketing. I mean, however you want to assess, use a framework like that, bring people in. And we've got so many of these assessment type frameworks. There's one called the sailboat. There's right, wrong, confused, missing. There's dozens of them, but do something that begins to say, and here's the, the beauty. You may already know as a senior leader, what's going on. You may already be very clear on what's broken or not working. The reason this is powerful is because it allows your team to feel heard, to be bought in, to be on the same page with you. And, and that in and of itself is, is, is critical, especially in, again, a nonprofit space where people right. are bleeding for a cause, right. not for a paycheck. Well, I love that idea. Great suggestion. Ted, thank you for sharing your insights. I know you've got a new book, a fairly new book, and you've yeah. got, of course, your organization at Stork. Uh, tell us a little bit more of how people can find out about your agency, number one, and your book. So the book uh, is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all great places where books are sold. Our Audible version of the book is about to come out another, oh, nice. uh, hopefully a month or less. The website for the book is culturebuiltmybrand.com. Anyone yeah. can go to culturebuiltmybrand.com and download tools. Some of the things we're talking about today, there are some free resources there. The website for uh, our company is historicagency.com. We do brand strategy. We're a consultancy that focuses on culture, on marketing, on identity. Uh, Basically, all those pillars of brand that we talked about, we specialize in the nonprofit space. So we're we're big fans of uh, all stripes of nonprofit. Well, again, Ted, thanks for all you're doing to support the nonprofit sector. And I just really appreciated this conversation. I think it's, you provided some great nuggets. I encourage my listeners to check out your agency and check out your book. And again, thanks for taking time to be on the show today. Loved it. Thank you. Great to be here. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.